if I don't see a story, it's probably going to get deleted because if I don't see story, what is there for people to connect to in my photographs? all you charming creative people. Thank you so much for joining me on the Sage Arts Podcast. I'm Sage, your solo host today here to babble at you about story and the role it has in visual art. I'm also going to present you with a challenge for 2023 now that hopefully we've gotten over all the holiday craziness and can really set up a routine and focus, right? I'll put in the show notes where the challenge comes up in the podcast. So if you want to jump to that, you can. It's not a complicated challenge, but you might want to keep a pen and paper handy so you can write it down and then figure out how to work it into your routine. So come on in, have a seat, or if you're already seated, sit back and relax or get your hands into your material and joyfully muck around while I toss some of what I think are pretty interesting ideas, all having to do with the usefulness of story in what we do as artists. Hopefully my voice sounds a little bit better. I'm still struggling a bit with this cold, so I apologize for any nasally lilt in my voice. I'm, as usual, in my podcast studio at my home in Southern California. I'm recording this on one of the few dry, partly sunny days we've had in the last couple of weeks. Earlier this week in our area, we got about five inches of rain over about two days while areas north of us and some of the higher elevations got as much as 16 inches of rain from the same storm. It caused a lot of chaos. Of course, this craziness made the news and I started getting messages from various people who remembered a situation that happened here six years ago where we got five inches in one day. We have a creek at the bottom of our yard, which overflowed during that storm into our garden and it swelled high enough to pick up our raised planters so that they were floating up against the fence. That was apparently a pretty memorable story or more likely were pretty memorable pictures because I posted these photos with the water up to the top of our compost box so you could see it was about two or three feet deep in the yard with all the planters bunched up against the fence trying to float off down the creek. It's that kind of memorable story, a relatively unusual event that connected me in their minds with the news stories they were hearing, even though my story and those pictures were from like six years ago. A good story, especially when it involves someone we know or otherwise feel connected to, can elicit strong emotions and bring up memories we don't otherwise spend a lot of time recalling. That ability to draw forth memories and emotion is the power of story. But art, particularly art seen in person, has the added ability to connect with people in their personal space in real time by us sharing our creative experience in a concrete way in that the materials we actually worked and wrestled with and the results of that are right there in front of them. And that's just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to how story helps us as artists. There are a myriad of ways stories can be helpful and make the process of creating even more fulfilling. To get the most out of this smorgasbord of ideas I have for you today, I'd like to ask you to ask yourself questions as you listen. For one, what importance does story play in the creation of your art? Is this something that you're already thinking about? And how can you use the idea of story to help you in the areas of your work you're looking to improve or change? So keep those things in mind and maybe even jot down the ideas that really hit you as useful. So yeah, let's talk story. Now, story is important to everyone. I don't think that can be denied. I know we may often think of story as a form of entertainment, but it's so much more than that. 
it's really integral in the fabric of our lives as a society. I mean, the news you watch in the morning, those are stories. They're even called news stories, but they're considered informational more than entertainment, although it can get rather entertaining at times. So definitely stories there. When we talk about what we did over the weekend or on vacation, we're also telling stories. Gossip is storytelling, complete with embellishments and all kinds of drama. Every social media post is trying to grab you with story too, from a humorous doggy tale to personal stories of struggle or triumph, like when we post the latest thing we made that we're really excited about. Even the ads are stories, ones of potential of how are you going to lose that stubborn fat with this new diet? And then you get to hear a number of supposed users and their success stories to go along with it. So more stories there. Then there's movies and shows that we watch, songs we listen to, and of course, books and magazines that we read. Stories are everywhere in every culture, and they've been with us since the advent of language. So as not to confuse you as we move into this, let me more thoroughly define what we mean when I speak of story in regards to art. I'll be using it in the broadest sense and not being an expert on definition, let's pull a definition from the Collins Dictionaries. They say that story is a narrative, either true or fictitious, designed to interest, amuse, or instruct the hearer or reader, or in our case, the viewer. So we're really talking about communication with other people that relays something of our experience, our understanding, or our view of life. We're not necessarily talking about something with plot or conflict or character development or even a moral to the story. We're just talking about the things that we relate to others to share our life and what interests us. I think we are all creating stories all the time. It is so automatic, most of us don't even realize we're doing it, but we need them. They add richness and color to our lives. I think considering story as you create can do the same for you, for your art, and for your life as an artist. Much like intention, which I talked about in episode one, stories give your work grounding and guidance as you create, if you're aware of it. But it goes beyond that. Story, whether it's detailed or ambiguous, personal or whimsical, plotted or plotless, whatever vestige of a story your work has, That can become the avenue through which the viewer, and perhaps your buyer, finds the connection that draws them to it. Because you see, people don't buy your work just for the visual draw, but because it is a voyeuristic insight into another person, into you, the artist. It hints at how you think, how you see the world, what captivates you, and what excites you so much that you want to share it with others. These hints are more than just vague ideas, like, well, she seems to like orange, or He must like horses. These hints are stories, vestigial perhaps, but your viewer will come up with stories regardless, maybe even rather unconsciously. But if the work doesn't suggest story to them in the first place, it's hard to see how it's going to connect for them. This connecting I'm referring to is, yes, rooted in the origin of our individual aesthetics, those things that we see as attractive and alluring, what draws us, which isn't always beauty, mind you. Why do we like different types of things? Why is one object seen to be of astounding beauty to one person and not worth a second glance to someone else? Yes, it's because we have preferences, but where do these preferences come from? Largely, they come from our experiences, right? The interactions and encounters we've had, the challenges we've overcome or haven't overcome. These are our stories. So when we respond to the aesthetics of a piece, we are filtering it through the stories of our experiences and our learned understanding of the world, right? And this is why story in art is so essential, even when it isn't upfront and apparent. Now, note that last line, when it isn't always upfront and apparent. 
Because I would say that most of the artists these days are not telling an obvious and apparent story with their art. And I don't think they necessarily should. There are those for whom story is everything and they want to convey it quite clearly, but others just want to capture the essence of an experience, a bit of the story from their lives. For instance, Jackson Pollock's drip paintings were created as an expression of his state of being in the moment, a transfer of energy, uh, the energy of his passion in particular, directed into the paint itself. The work Autumn Rhythm, and you can Google this painting um, or go to the Instagram page, I'll post it on the podcast Instagram page, was created at a point in his career where his mastery of the technique was at its peak. And it seems he could feel that and was channeling it into the way he directed the paint. It has all this organic swirly energy within a fairly limited color palette of beigey browns, blacks, and whites. He originally titled it just number 30, but later changed it to Autumn Rhythm in order to better direct the viewer and thus the story of what he thinks he channeled, that being the rhythm of nature represented in the swirls and drips, along with the specific season represented in the color palette he chose. Our sense of what story that painting has to tell may have nothing to do with the seasons. And if he had left it as number 30, we would not have had even that little bit of direction. But if you connect to the work, it will most likely be because the Russian energy of the way he laid the paint and our association with the limited color palette connects to a story or stories of our own immersion in such feelings and experiences. Maybe the painting reminds you of splashing around in the mud as a kid, or maybe it brings up a story of speeding through a late season countryside in a convertible and the long drips remind you of the feeling of the wind in your hair. In work like this, there's an immense amount of space for the viewer to insert their own stories, but they connect with the artist because the story the artist had in mind made the work cohesive and the story directed just enough for us to create or relive our own full story within it. On the other hand, take Picasso's Guernica, depicting the bombing of the Basque town by that name in 1937 during the Spanish Civil War. If you haven't seen this or don't recall it, it's filled with screaming figures, including a dying horse, a mutilated soldier, and a woman holding a dead baby. Picasso is not hinting at the story here, but is slamming us with his despair and outrage over the barbaric order to bomb a civilian town populated mostly at the time by women and children because the men were away fighting. So this is the town's story, the story of an atrocity that Picasso felt so strongly about. He used a mural commission job for the Spanish government, which I'm guessing expected something different, to create this huge and unforgettable image so it would undeniably loom over the viewer and, I'm sure he hoped, over the country. It's also colorless, just black and white and gray, which is an easily understood metaphor for the misery created by the callousness of the Nazi German bombers and the Spanish nationalists who ordered the bombing. Now, the viewer isn't necessarily going to know these details, although now you do, so hopefully that adds to the impact of the work for you. But the story of pain and tragedy is undeniable. Still, there's room for the viewer to insert their own story. In this case, probably their own remembrance of pain and injustice, whether it was a personal experience or a specific story they heard or witnessed. So works can leave us feeling like we've just re-experienced our own stories. And that's the magic of storytelling, visual or otherwise, isn't it? But as you see, the work can be wide open for the viewer to insert story or have a very specific story, but the viewer is still going to take part in the interpretation of it. 
The insertion of the viewer's personal stories, consciously or unconsciously, is at the root of the connection the observer can have to your work and your art, if you insert story in some form. For me, when I go through my photography, for instance, I ask myself with each picture, is there a story here? If I don't see a story, it's probably going to get deleted because if I don't see story, what is there for people to connect to in my photographs? Sometimes I do think a photo looks pretty, but if I find I'm just drawn to a texture or a combination of colors and there's nothing else, I don't feel like I have anything worthwhile to share. When I create in polymer mixed media, I often try to recreate the feeling of an experience that I had that really stuck with me. Although I don't always start with that, and I'll explain that later. I've talked about this with other artists before, and one of the things people seem to get caught up on is figuring out what experiences have enough of a story in them to be the basis for the work they're doing. I think the problem is that many people feel that they're looking for a very specific story, or they're too literal about the story, or they want something really unusual and super memorable. The fact is, we actually have story in our lives every day. It's just a matter of seeing it and determining if it's something we feel driven to share. I was listening to a podcast not too long ago, a podcast about podcasting of all things, called Step-by-Step Podcasting. The host, Sarah Mikatel, brought in a professional storyteller. His name is Matthew Dix, D-I-C-K-S, if you want to look him up. And he has this interesting project that he challenges himself with all the time. He calls it Homework for Life. And at the end of every day, he writes down a story from his experiences that day. So he goes through his day aware that he's going to have to write something down when the day is over, which keeps him on high alert for story all the time. I thought that was really cool. And I've been doing it myself now, um, diligently at least from the beginning of the year. Now. I write in a journal almost every morning anyways. Um, It's almost always poetry, but I have to say it didn't always have a lot of direction. Quite often, I'd just wake up and the first sentence that came to my mind, I'd write it down and I'd see what it would suggest. And then I tried to build the poem off of that. Now that I'm thinking about story, I wake up and think about the day before and what story or what special experience, no matter how small, really stood out to me. It's been super eye-opening to think back about an ordinary day full of work and grocery shopping, laundry, workouts, cooking dinner, whatever, and to try to find that one thing that really struck me that brought out the childlike wonder in me that made me realize something about my life or the world around me. So, for instance, yesterday it was about seeing the birds playing at the edge of the creek because, for one, we haven't had a creek most of the year because of this terrible drought we've been in. But also, when the creek did come in, it was torrential. But now the waters have calmed down enough for the birds to go and play in it. And what I saw was just so much joy in there bouncing around between the bank and the branches and splashing about and twittering to each other. It was just a really beautiful contrast to the difficulties we've been seeing of the drought, the torrential rain, and all the things that it brought. And yet, it settled into this kind of joyful moment. So I took a kind of, you have to have the tough times to really appreciate the small joys story from that. So small things like this are the dominant type of story I'm finding on a daily basis now. But some stories are bigger. Like the other day there was, we think, a grieving of crows a little ways down the creek. Just this insane gathering of birds when one of them dies. 
It was so loud, it woke me from a nap. So that became an obvious story for the day. But what wasn't obvious was why I thought it was a story worth recording. Once I dug down through it, through my writing, I found it was my admiration for their unrestrained and dramatic display of grief, much unlike our society's zipped up rituals around death. Now, if you're into crows, there are other reasons why they might be doing that. Some say it's a matter of trying to make note of why the crow died. So I know there's more specifics, but that's the story that I made from it. This practice has not only made me look for story, but has also made me examine why I am drawn to these stories. And that kind of contemplation has absolutely churned up ideas for both my writing and my artwork already. So this is a challenge I want to give you for the start of the year, which I mentioned, I think, in the first episode. I want to challenge you to spend the next 30 or 60 or 90 days or all 365 days of 2023 finding a story each day. The challenge is pretty simple and it doesn't take much time. You just take a couple minutes at the end of your day or at the beginning of your day to write down a story of something that happened in the previous 24 hours, something that struck you as interesting or important to you or to others. I personally have found it most helpful to write enough to explain what I saw or experienced and then why it struck me as significant. It doesn't matter how long or short it is, though. It can be one sentence, a poem, a list of words, an essay, or a full-blown short story, if you like. That's up to you. The important thing is just that you record something, which will train you to look for story every day. Then you take it one step further. At least once a week, maybe pick a day, like every Sunday morning, for instance, use these stories as a source of inspiration for your visual art and create a piece that uses the story as a jumping-off point, at least as the first spark of inspiration. So. If you're up for this challenge, take a moment right now and write down your specific parameters for the challenge. One, how long will you attempt this challenge? Will you do the 30 days, 60 days, 90 days where you spent the whole year on it? So write that down. Two, when will you record the story? Will it be a routine at the beginning of your day or at the end of your day? So just write down every morning, every evening, or you could put 7 a.m. or 10 p.m. or whatever works for you. Three. Where will you record it? I personally prefer to keep a journal, something kind of cool and pretty that I enjoy using. Getting away from screens is important to me, though. You can also use your phone or tablet or whatever works best for you. Just have a specific thing that that's where those stories go. Four, pick the day or days that you will create artwork from a story. Sunday, Monday, Sunday morning, Friday night, whatever. Just put down that specific day. Or if you're going to do it more than one day a week, your specific days that you're going to do that. And then five, set the day and time you will start this challenge, preferably tonight or tomorrow morning. But if for some reason that's not possible, set the next possible day that you can start it. The process of writing down the details of this challenge is important in setting you up to actually make it happen. We mentally feel more committed when we put something in writing. So I encourage you to actually put it on a piece of paper or a whiteboard or print it out, something that's literally a tangible commitment that you can set out and see daily. So if you're not in a position to write it down now, just tell yourself when you're going to do that so you will do it. Now, if you're not sure if this is a thing for you, how about just do it for seven days, just one week? If you go one week and you're finding wonderful, useful insights and all kind of creative inspiration in it, then set yourself up for a more definite challenge. Just write down those five items. I think you will find it more than worthwhile. 
But even if the challenge doesn't interest you, I think you can really get a lot out of making story part of your process or the way you think about creating work. This could be particularly helpful if you're having problems finding direction in your work or a piece starts to feel muddled. You can ask yourself, what is the story here or what could it be? Or you can ask, what do I want people to feel and why? And make a story from that. I understand that this approach isn't going to be for everyone. Some people don't want to be that conscious of their purpose or thoughts while creating. And that's fine. But chances are your unconscious mind is trying to spin stories even as you try to give it free reign. Our brains are always trying to put order to things and story is one of the key ways we do that. What I'm mostly pushing is that you look for story and if you just want to let it marinate in your mind and see what your unconscious self does with it, great. It's just a sure way to feed your muse. You can also use this insight to not just help you in making art, but to better enjoy and appreciate art. Every explanation of every piece of art in the entire world will include story. I mean, can you imagine a plaque talking about a work of art you're viewing, not telling you its story, you know, like what it's about or what the artist was trying to accomplish? You read the plaque because you are looking for that story. So when you're viewing a piece that you are drawn to but don't know why, you can ask yourself where the story is in it in what you see. And keep in mind, you're not trying to find a right answer. You're not trying to find what the artist was trying to do. It's about asking yourself what you see in the work, what you're pulling from it. It's like looking at clouds and deciding that one's a horse and the other looks like a whale, but your friend sees it as a table in a train. They're both legitimate observations. You see what matters to you, and that can help you define and appreciate the connection you're having with that work of art. The last thing I'll touch upon having to do with story and art is one of the first things I mentioned. Having story in mind while creating can guide the choices you make in your work to keep the design cohesive. Now, I'm not going to hash over that because that's quite a lot of what I spoke about when I spoke about intention in the first episode. What I'm suggesting is simply that you make story the basis of your intention. So if you haven't listened to the first episode, I do strongly encourage you to do that. It's, I think, less than 20 minutes, and it's the basis of so many of the conversations we'll have here. When your intention is set to story, it gives you a rich and varied structure from which to make all your design choices. If every choice you make, the colors, shapes, textures, size, symbols, composition, etc., is couched in the question, does this fit the story, it's going to be hard not to have a cohesive design. I do want to emphasize that just because you're using a story to guide your work, it doesn't mean you need to represent it in any literal sense. Pollock's autumn rhythm had no leaves or trees or anything else that would usually symbolize fall to us, but that was still the story that either guided his hand or was suggested to him out of the unconscious efforts he made while painting. Which brings about yet another way to use story. You can work with story by working without intention initially until you start to see patterns or connections in the explorations of your materials. Once you do, you can start asking yourself what story is being told by what you're seeing. This is actually how I prefer to create my visual work, especially with polymer. I don't usually sit down with a specific idea. It's more of the shapes or textures that I want to recreate. In the process of exploring the possibilities of those things, I start to see suggestions in the patterns, shapes, or colors I'm playing with. A little warning though, you may want to prepare yourself for tossing out a lot of exploratory work if you do it this way. 
most of the things I create while exploring don't themselves become anything because I find story in it. And then I want to start from the beginning to ensure that all the choices I make feed that story. The takeaway here, though, really is that story can be another great tool in your artistic toolbox, as well as an avenue through which you can better enjoy the work you create, as well as the art of others. It also gives you the ideas and words to explain what you're doing to those around you who are curious about your process or the meaning behind your work. Your work doesn't have to be intellectualized, but I think it adds to the joy of the connection you have with other people when you can explain some of the story behind the work that you did. It also, by the way, can help you name the work if naming is part of your process. There's just so much to story and what it can do for you as an artist and a lover of art. So what do you say? Are you up for placing story in a more prominent position in your creative life? If you are at all into this, I hope you'll try the challenge. Find a story in your life every day. Write it down at the end of the day or first thing in the morning. If nothing else, you'll have a journal of little stories from which to draw inspiration for your artwork when you get stumped at some future point in time. However, I do think you'll find you'll start seeing story in all kinds of things, including in the work that you do. And I think it will really enrich your process and maybe even take you in a new and wonderful direction at some point. So I'm going to leave you with that for today. If you have some of your own thoughts, please do reach out with comments, criticisms, your own wonderful stories, or whatever it is you'd like to share with me. Go to the contact page on www.thesagearts.com to send me an email or use the red button in the lower right-hand corner to leave a voicemail. I also encourage you to join me on Instagram or Facebook on the Sage Arts Podcast page. That's facebook.com forward slash the Sage Arts Podcast or instagram.com forward slash the Sage Arts Podcast. That's all one word. If you are enjoying these episodes and are finding value for yourself and your art and what I'm doing here, consider sending support and encouragement through my Buy Me a Coffee page where you can send a little one-time contribution. It's just as little as $4. That's buymeacoffee.com forward slash the sage arts. Also one word, just shorter than the social media stuff, just the sage arts. There's also an orange donation button halfway down the homepage of the sagearts.com website. If you want to go that direction, a quick shout out though. um, Thank you, Laura Lee, who bought me three coffees last week after listening to the intentions episode. She's been feeling like she's been channeling chaos and now has some direction to work with. And I just love to hear that. Your comments, even more than the financial support, really keeps me going and helps me with my direction too. So all my lovelies, go out and find those stories, feed your muse. And as Christy said last week, be true to your weirdness. Just own that wacky, creative, beautiful soul you have. And join me again next week on the Sage Arts Podcast.